Today I welcome Bill Rice, Director of Community Engagement at Laurel School, USA. In this episode, I discuss breaking boundaries in education with experiential learning, the need to future-proof schools for jobs which don't yet exist, and how to design a signature programme for your school. I want to get on to, to you and the signature programme and the Laurel School because what I read online was truly exciting. And I've had dozens of conversations with school leaders over the past several months when I saw your blog about your experiential learning programs. I knew I had to find out more and get you on the podcast. I've been saying for years that we need to have future-proof schools. I talk about the future of education, the future school. And the reason why is simple. Today's students will be doing jobs that don't exist now. And I always challenge schools, are we fit for purpose? And have we pulled our head out of the ground, looked around and made sure that we're relevant? And at a time in history when children know more about the real world than we do, you know, are we the best role models? Certainly when it comes to technology and media, it seems that thinking behind Laurel Singster programming is pushing boundaries that many schools could follow. Could you give me a brief overview of the programs you're running, including the electives and the internships? Sure. So to me, it's getting the girls outside of these walls and uh, the artificial walls that sometimes we inadvertently create in the classroom through our, our models of education, breaking through those barriers. We know through our Laurel Center for Research on Girls, we've done studies where we know that girls and students in general, when they are engaged in purposeful, meaningful activities, they're going to be more invested. And so the thought behind that study, the follow-up from that study was to create the signature programming where girls have choice to engage in Dream Dare Do electives, which are student or teacher-generated courses that provide an interest, a short-term dive, a semester-long or year-long experience, to protege internship programs where a student can shadow, intern, or do research assistantship with one of our community partners, or the Capstone program, which is a three-year commitment by application where then students uh, explore topics through Harkness discussions and intellectual conversations towards a culminating project where they're uh, tackling a problem and meeting that problem with the solution in the community. So that is housed in our schedule. So every other Wednesday, we build in time in our schedule to devote to these programs so they're not in competition with after-school programs or other classes, but are actually a culminating moment in a student's week to take this deep dive. Is it mandatory that all girls take on this? There's not an elective that it, you know, some want to do, but others don't. It's, it's actually embedded as part of what you do at the Laurel. Yes, it's required by all students that they're in one of those three programs. How long has the program been running? So the Capstone and Protégé programs have been in existence for about 12 years, but the Dream Dare Do elective is more recent in the last five years. And that's in response, again, to the schedule change where we took that big step to say, not only do we believe this is important for some students before school, after school, during lunch, we believe this is important for all of our high school students. I love the dream dare do. I've got two girls, I've got two boys. I mean, my daughter's just gone off to university. I know how different they take to learning and some of the barriers that they each have. Do you think that this is applicable to boys' education as well as at girls? Or do you feel that this is something that girls can flourish at more? I absolutely believe it's uh, something for all students. I've taught at all boys' schools. I'm at an all-girls school now, and I've taught co-ed. And I love advocating for girls and women and uh, helping to uh, bridge the divide and create more access to opportunity. I feel that's uh, part of our role as men in society, what we can do to uh, rectify our uh, professional world. So I'm very thrilled to be at Laurel and help make that happen. 
And when you talk about experiential learning, I mean, the thing with experiential is it's, it's an experiment. You're trying something new. It's even by your signature, you know, the dare do dream. You're doing something. It may not work. Obviously a risk. And most schools are risk averse. So you must have a good foundation at the school and support to be able to go, do you know what, we, we believe this. Did you have any barriers to getting these programs introduced and for continuing them? Absolutely. But actually what we build into the program is that opportunity to fail gloriously and to report out on it, to say, I tested this, it was not for me, and therefore I changed to something else. I love telling the story of a student who every other woman in her family and professional career had been in the healthcare profession. And so she determined for herself that that's what she was going to do from a very young age. It was just ingrained in her. She did a protege internship at a hospital, completed that for a year, really tested it, and her report at the end of the experience was, I never want to go back to a hospital again. That's wonderful to figure out in high school before you make that step into college and assume this is what you want as your life path. I think it's not only beneficial to families, but to students individually to test that out and say, you know, not this, but maybe something else. And we need to test that earlier. And we're extraordinarily far behind in the UK, actually. Independent sector, more so they have more freedom. But certainly here, state-wise, it's it's a very Victorian education model, and it's, it's so not fit for purpose. And, you know, I, I know what it's like, and I, I call it the kind of the cookie-cutter education and off-the-peg life, because my father and his father and the, his father were, were all doctors. Guess what? You know, I had a very limited view as to where I need to get to. And so getting them in in these programs, I think it's brilliant. I mean, what, what kind of access to different job opportunities do your girls have at the Laurel by going through this program? We have students who do everything from cancer research at Case and the labs at Case Western Reserve University to engineering, Cargill, an uh, international conglomerate, to doing capstone projects with NASA Glenn Research Center and uh, wealth management with Boyd Watterson, Longbow, Luma Wealth. The opportunities are as diverse as the students we have. So what I think is a challenge is introducing them to the ideas of careers beyond the teacher they see in front of them or the family they have at home, those adults immediately in their lives. You think about in my past, I know those are the only professions I considered were the ones who I saw right in front of me, which were very limited to my school and my, my home. So intentionally showing the girls, this is what professions are out there in the engineering world. So we're bringing in our friends from Cargill tomorrow, and they're doing an engineering project with our whole middle school to say, hey, this is who we are. This is how we got into this life. This is why we love it. Here's a cool bridge project to test out your interests and see if what we can do for you at Cargill as a lifelong career. Yeah. And it's great. And do you connect all your alumni as well? Because they obviously have trodden real paths into jobs that don't exist because jobs haven't existed generation to generation. You know, we're just seeing them exaggerated or expedited because of technology. They're probably being more misunderstood now because there are these micro jobs that do exist. I mean, how important is your alumni network? Oh, it's huge. And well, that's one thing to me that the pandemic taught us most of all. We weren't able to get students out into the community to do service work and to shadow and to really engage civically in the way we used to. So the alum network was a place where we, that we leveraged the most and were able to get out internationally, connected girls all over the planet through Zoom with talking to alums in their careers, networking, really uh, helping people tell their stories and having our students listen to them. And again, test that interest on an informational interview capacity. 
I hope you're enjoying the Inspiring Schools podcast. We're always on the hunt for guests with vision and a desire to share them. If you'd like to be involved or know of someone with great ideas at a school near you, please drop me an email to podcast at interactiveschools.com and my team will be in touch. You write in your blog post, experiential learning is a key element to breaking through surface learning. And you talk about teachers who are good storytellers helping break learning boundaries. How can teachers do that and where? In other words, does that impact happen in the digital world as well as the real world? Absolutely. I think both. And different teachers bring different skill sets to the table. And I think kids can gravitate towards those. To me, one of the most practical things to do for every educator is to open up project rubrics more for student creativity, for individuality, for a student to explore and test her own interests to say, you know, this is what I think. This is what the project is all about. Here's my personal take. So really just widening that project rubric to give some space, more intentional space for students to be creative and individual is a good place to start for them to explore their passions. Do all teachers take to telling their story? You know, are they supporting themselves? Because, you know, when I visit schools all around the planet, what is amazing that you're all different, 100% you're all different and you're different because of you, the kids, the place, the things you do, the stories you tell. How do you get that voice out there without it becoming marketing? Well, and I think it uh, comes down to a lot of relationship building and trust, right? And that's what we need to get to. Again, through the pandemic, I think uh, schools are a place of stability. And I think as a society, we rely on schools as a home base for stability and predictability. So when we have trusting relationships with teachers who tell their stories, who connect with families, who build those relationships, which we do so well at Laurel, then students feel safe to ask questions and explore interests and really interview teachers and anyone else they come across. It's good practice. And if the goal is pushing students to uncover their own interests, how do teachers inspire that autonomy? Every day through their witness uh, and the work they do in the classroom, but also asking students why and uh, trying to connect them to real world activities. So our teachers are great to network and say, you know, through my graduate school experience, I've got this connection. This person works at NASA now, and I'll connect with you. We'll bring them in virtually to the classroom. We had uh, just networking with our families. We had one student who had an interest in immigration. And so her father was connected to someone who was working at Forward US in DC, creating immigration policy, imposing uh, immigration policy reform. To me, that space and allowing the students to network within their own family circles, within their own teacher circles, uh, just creates the familiarity with this work that helps students find themselves to establish that identity and take the next steps towards college application and career discernment. Experiential learning has become a buzzword, a little like being disruptive has, you know, everyone became a disruptive business, a disruptive everything. How does Laurel build programs that result in meaningful learning experiences? So much of what we do with content delivery is teacher focused. I make my syllabus. This is my course. This is how I deliver it. Um, This is how I assess it. And so you deliver it back to me. With experiential learning and with signature programming at Laurel, what we try to do is put the student in the driver's seat and say, what do you want? What are you going for? How are you asking the questions? How are you testing your interests? How are you connecting with community partners and bringing that back to the experience of content knowledge so that you are really building your story towards what you want and identifying your passions? And is signature programming connected to what students learn in the classroom? Yes, not as intentionally as uh, I'd like it to be long range. Uh, That's a a process that involves so many different divisions in school and bringing it down from the high school, the upper school, 
to middle school, to lower school? How can you be strategic about that forward build developmentally, age by age? That's something we want to work on. But I know what we have with our students who go out and do internships, they bring that learning and experience back to the classroom so that a student who does an internship at the federal courthouse and U.S. government class is able to talk about that firsthand experience and give that witness. So it complements the teacher's trust with the classroom with firsthand experience by a peer. We talk about your signature program. So CAPSA one has been 12 years. At what point does it become out of date and you need to refresh it? What, what is your process at Laurel for reimagining your signature programs to ensure that they still in themselves remain fit for purpose and relevant? We're in the middle of an assessment now, a self-assessment to check that out because we have been going for the last five years. The last two have been different than the first three in so many ways. So what have we learned? Where do we need to go? How do we need to adjust to current needs and uh, trends and to what students want? Again, put students and teachers in the driver's seat to say, how are you invested in this? How do you take ownership of this learning? How are you making the space that's available to you relevant for what you want? So you're going through that consultation approach just to see, A, what is working? What's the future hold? And do you still remain relevant? Yeah, self-evaluation. And how long does that typically take? I mean, what are your plans on that? Well, we do that for our Isaac's evaluation for um, accreditation through our independent schools consortium. But this is an internal audit that we're doing now after the first five years of this Dream Dare Do programming. And how did Laurel imagine and design its signature programs? Because I can see this being such an important tool, actually, an educational model and approach for all schools. So if I was in a school now, I wanted to take up a signature program or an experiential learning approach at my school. Talk me through, how do I get started? Yeah, I think the the process uh, to create a runway for it would be to explore interest. What are students and teachers interested in? How can you have a cross-curricular interdisciplinary learning and create the space for it? Testing the interests, finding out what teachers and students want, building a runway towards a schedule that would accommodate the space for that. You have to sacrifice time to make it happen. And then training for student leaders and teachers on how to make it most effective and impactful. I mean, the training is really important for any transformational project because it's the humans, the people that matter. We've all got big ideas. Technology does not change things. It enables things. And often left behind is, is the person mentioning training. And it's ongoing because things, they constantly need to be supported to ensure that they're delivering the right level, the right quality all the way through the, the schools. Have you hit any barriers? I mean, what's been the biggest probably barrier you've had or hurdle that you've had to get over just to maintain this on the agenda and part of the core to signature programs at Laurel? The sacrifice of time is always a challenge. So in a school day, you only have so many hours. And in a calendar year, you only have so many days. So to sacrifice this time for this work is taking away from something else. So you really have to be strategic about that and get everyone on board for this is our identity. This is part of who we are. This is part of what makes us special and allows the students and teachers to, to drive that interest, to keep that identity front of mind. These kind of signature programs help you recruit better students as well as recruit better teachers. The students who tell their stories and who get their stories out into the community and they have these experiences, it really prepares them for college and actually informs their college application and acceptance so well that once we get those stories out, their families are really excited about that because 
that's what they're worried about most. And that's why they want their students in a college prep school is to have those outcomes. So once they hear that story, it's, a, it's an easy sell. Yeah, I think you mentioned the word story about 10 times then. And actually, it sits, it resonates so well with me because actually our, my reason for being the reason I set up this business, Interactive Schools, 15 years ago, when our purpose is inspiring schools to share their story, you know, and it's unlocking the magic of every school one story at a time, because it's, you know, as I said, you, you go around, you look at all schools, you all look and feel the same because it's marketing, right? And you need right. your authentic voice to come through and you get a young woman empowered to share their story, their journey. It's incredibly rewarding for every stakeholder, whether prospective families looking in going, wow, I want to be part of that. It's your current community going, wow, we have access to this. And it's my child. And then it's this whole network of community positivity. So I'm delighted that you do. You mention stories a lot. It's is why, again, I think I caught up with something on, on your Twitter feed because you know it got out there and it's very authentic. It's great to see that you guys are doing it. And I've really thoroughly enjoyed having a chat to you today about your signature programs at the Laurel Bill. Thanks ever so much. Thank you, Simon. You can connect with me on Twitter, Instagram, and via LinkedIn. Remember, keep inspiring schools. We need more future school thinking now.